Praise the Lord, everybody. Welcome to Wednesday night. Can we stand and lift up our voices, lift up our hands, clap our hands, and just bless the Lord together? Are you glad to be in the house of the Lord tonight? Are you glad to be joining us online tonight? Thank you, Jesus. We honor and glorify you. We bless you, Lord. We've come to praise you in Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah. We're going to worship the Lord in song and then go into the words. So just worship with us and let's let Jesus know how much we adore him tonight. Amen.
that right now. Let's adore Him. Let's thank Him for who He is. God, you're wonderful. You're wonderful. You're wonderful. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen and amen. Isn't God good? Praise God. The Lord bless you in Jesus' name. You may be seated. All except for Bella. Is Bella in the house? Bella, are you in here? Can you come up? I've got something special for you. Last Wednesday night, we canceled church because there was a bad windstorm. And, uh, you know, potential tornadoes. Just stand right here with me, honey. And um, so we watched online. Pastor Jeremy taught us. Well, after he got done in, in, in Bella's house, they said, well, she said, I want the Holy Ghost. So they turned on Sunday for the replay, and guess what happened? Bella got the Holy Ghost. <laughs> Amen. Smile real. Oh, hold it this way. All right. Amen. All right. Thank you, sweetie. Amen. Marley had got the Holy Ghost the Sunday before, and she was watching that. And Amen. Isn't that exciting, huh? Praise God. Praise God. Amen. There are some out tonight that are sick, some out traveling. I want us to pray right now for all of those. And also, we, we did Sunday, we mentioned, Pastor Trevor mentioned, there's a lot that's going to be traveling over the holiday season. We want to pray for all those too. So can we do that before we dismiss all our classes? Amen. Lord Jesus, there are many who are traveling and some who will yet be traveling. Lord, as the holidays come upon us, the end of the year and the new year, I just ask that you would give traveling mercies and grace, strength, protection. Lord, bring all of our saints back home safely after they've had a great time with family and friends. Lord, we pray for those who are sick tonight, God, that you would touch with them with healing virtue. We pray, Lord, that you would move throughout the body of Christ and let healing virtue flow. We pray it and believe it. Ask it and receive it in the name of Jesus. And If you believe it, would you say amen? amen. Praise God. So we'll go ahead at this time and dismiss our uh, students and our children and thank all of our student ministry staff and our children's ministry staff. Aren't they doing a great job? Amen, amen. Nursery, all of that. Elements is already out. And I might add, if you're interested in Elements, please see Brother Donnie or Sister Kara. Uh, we've got a class signing up this coming um, January. And it'll be kicking back off. So we're looking forward to that. Amen and amen. Do want to mention there will be service Sunday at uh, our regular time of 10.30. So we're looking forward. If you're in town or able to be here, you're not away or traveling or with family, please uh, consider being here. Of course, if you are away uh, or whatever, please watch the live stream or in the archive and participate in that way and stay up uh, focused. We will be announcing our 2022 theme in the second half this coming Sunday. And I'm excited about that. I believe God's going to uh, reveal some things to us and do some things through our church in the coming year. Amen? Amen? Praise the Lord. Well, I'm pinch hitting tonight for uh, Pastor Jeremy, our teaching pastor. Um, he's out tonight, and so I'm uh, filling in for him. And he had sent me uh, a text about what he was feeling uh, to teach in his Luke series that he was doing. And the title that he had, I had used that title uh, in a message three or four years ago. So anyway, I got to praying about it when I figured I was going to take over, and the Lord just led me to some, some things that was in that message and some new things. So I'm going to preach that tonight, teach that tonight. So if you have your Bibles, if you'd join me in the book of Luke, chapter number 2. And I do want to mention, uh, a couple have already mentioned how they felt touched by God and felt the peace of God out throughout this week. Amen. If you have... Uh, you know, let me know, let God know, put it out on, on social media, put it in our prayer room on Facebook, and let's celebrate what God is doing in bringing healing, amen, emotionally to our, uh, to the body of Christ, amen? amen? Praise God. And also, I believe tonight God is going to minister in a special way and uh, touch us. This is not just a, you know, last service before Christmas and so all that. This is, there's something special going to happen. I've felt it all day in my spirit, prayed a few times and just felt like God wants to 
minister tonight. Amen? Does anybody need God to minister something to your spirit tonight? Well, you've come to the right place. Amen. Luke chapter 2, and I'll begin reading at verse number 1. And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. Not much has changed, has it, with taxing, huh? And all, yeah, and uh, all went to be taxed, everyone into his own city. And Joseph went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea and unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, excuse me, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them and the glory of the Lord shone round about them and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. Amen. And tonight, the help of the Lord, I want to treat on this thought, the way in a manger the way in a manger. Let's pray together. Let the living word preach the written word, Father. Write it upon our hearts. Let my tongue be the pen of a ready writer. Lord, bring our thoughts captive. We ask it and pray it. We believe it and expect it, Lord. Bring them captive in the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Cause every hindrance to be rebuked, Lord. Let us apply your words and have them written upon our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. And would everyone say amen. The Way in a Manger. The year was 1994, a long time ago. Kenny G had just released an album called Miracles. The final two songs on that were Away in a Manger, followed by the Brahms Lullaby. Anybody know what the Brahms Lullaby is? Anyway. In 1996, our son Braxton was born in January, and our first Christmas with him that year, I was playing that Kenny G album, and he was nearby, Away in a Manger, come on, I'm listening to it, and immediately that song ends, and immediately Brahms' lullaby starts to play, and I, it, it dawned on me, I had a visual, Jesus was a baby, Joseph and Mary held him, the shepherds probably held him, the wise men probably held him. And a whole new perspective filled my heart as a, as a new dad. First Christmas with my son. Wow. God became flesh and dwelt among us. But today I've not come to preach about away in a manger. Because Jesus is not just away. Or a way. He's definitely not away. He's with you. And he's definitely not just a way. He is the way. Amen. In fact, John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Amen. Now, I cannot for the life of me figure out, and, and it's, it's hard to even imagine at times, why God would become flesh. For me. Why would He become my sin so that I could become His righteousness? Why would He do that? I don't know of any other religion where the deity of that religion becomes the, the, the creatures or the worshipers of that religion in order to save them. They have to change to be like him. They have to appease him or her if it's a her. But in Christianity, almighty, infinite, timeless God says the only way my people are going to be saved is if I become them so they can become me. Wow. That blows my mind. And Hebrews 7 tells us God became us. 1 Corinthians uh, uh, chapter, or 2 Corinthians chapter 5 tells us that, that He became our sin so that we could become the righteousness of God in Him. 
In him was no sin, but he became our sin. Wow. I don't know why he did, but I'm very, very thankful that he did. Because had he not become flesh, I could never become righteous. My righteousness, the Bible says, is as filthy rags. Now, we have this mindset, and kind of like the picture, it's, it's this wooden crate-like, you know, box with hay in it. There probably was hay. It was probably some, obviously, swaddling clothes, but obviously it's maybe some other soft material, some sort of, you know, cloth or blanket or something. But would it surprise you to find out that the manger was probably more like a stone block that maybe was, you know, the center was kind of chiseled out with like a divot in it. That's more like what the manger was. Now, another misconception, and, and I'm not here to ruin all of your manger scenes and, and spoil everybody's Christmas tonight. That's, that's not what I am. I, I do like being somewhat of a literalist to the scripture. However, uh, it wasn't some lean-to barn shed thing in the back 40 somewhere uh, that Jesus was at. Uh, it was in the same house, by the way. Uh, I actually saw one when we were in Israel where they had excavated and they showed that what we would call the entryway of our home, you know, where you come in, you take your boots off, your shoes off kind of thing. Some of them have, you go right into your kitchen and there's a little area like that, um, possibly, or a little porch-like area and then you come in. That's what the, the, the manger, the stable area would have been. Because in times of, of storms or, or even, you know, severe weather of other sort, they would actually bring their animals in. They didn't have very many typically. They may have one donkey and, you know, uh, maybe a lamb or two. And so they would bring them in to where they were out of the elements of the weather. Uh, but then as you entered on in, you kind of went up these set of stairs and you were in the rest of the home. Okay, so imagine literally be something like this, like if, if this area down here, you know, maybe about maybe 10 by 12 area was, was the, the manger area, and then up the stairs would be where the, the living quarters were and, and all. Well, that's probably where they were uh, most likely in something like that. Of course, it was not ideal. Um, you know, there wasn't probably a place for Mary and Joseph other than on the floor, uh, you know, the ground, but... but and, and of course, there was probably something warm to keep the child warm and all. But that's the image of what probably is more accurate to the Bible. But I want you to think about that. I want you to envision that for a minute. And even if you want to just use the Western culture, you know, little wooden thing with a lean-to, and it, it, which either one is simple. Either one is, is not a palace, so whether the archaeological you know, digs are correct or, or whether our Western kind of culture is correct, it, it's really immaterial because the fact is it's a humble place. That's where God chose to come. And in a vulnerable child. Now, it doesn't mean God stopped being God. He was still God of the whole universe, right? He was still doing all that God does. But he also had put himself within that flesh. And literally, more than anybody else, he was born to die. And for a purpose, you and me. That blows my mind. Here in just a few days, many people will gather with friends, family, and whatever their family traditions are, there's going to be exchanging of gifts and, and kids opening up presents and everybody having a good time and, and food and all of this. But, but I want you tonight, before all of the festivities take place this weekend, I want you to think about where it all began for Jesus. And he did that for you. He's the way in a manger. You know, there's not ways to get to God. He's the way. Jesus said, I'm the door. Right? No man comes to the Father except the Spirit draw him. There's only one way, and it's through Jesus. There's not multiple paths or plans for a person to be saved. Of course, we're respectful of any and everyone's beliefs, but neither can we compromise the truth. 
Jesus Christ is the only God who became flesh and dwelt among us. The only God who died and rose again to atone for our sins. The only God who reconciled and redeemed us. The only God who dwells in us when we're born again. He is the only way. Philosophy and science and knowledge and wealth and fame and political influence and even religion can never and will never save anyone. But Jesus Christ, who is the way, has saved millions and maybe even billions throughout the last 2,000 years and is still saving whosoever will because he's the way. Amen. I'm glad to know the way in a manger. He's also the truth. John 14, 6, again, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man come unto the Father but by me. Society claims, well, you have your truth and I have my truth and truth is relative. Jesus says, I am the truth. The Bible tells us that every word of God proves true. The Bible tells us, amen, that his way is perfect. The Bible tells us in Numbers and Hebrews and in Titus that it is impossible that God cannot lie. Not only is He the truth, He speaks the truth. Pilate said to Jesus, what is truth? Wrong question, Pilate. Truth is a who, not a what. And not who from Whoville either. (laughs) Amen. By the way, Pastor Danny, you'll relate to this. You know, we preachers can just about find a sermon in anything. We were, we were watching the Grinch last night. I'm like, man, that'll preach. That'll preach. I had to stay focused to be with the family, but I kept thinking, but that'll preach. That's a good, that'll preach. So if you hear a message about the Grinch anytime soon, you'll know where it's coming from. <laughs> Hallelujah. You know, I'm sorry that society, politicians, family, and sadly even some pastors and churches have lied to you. But if you will search the scriptures daily and diligently, you will find that God has never lied and he never will. You will find that he's the faithful and true witness, that his word is true, and that he's righteous and true altogether, that his truth endures forever, and that he's full of grace and truth. You'll find that he is the true vine and the spirit of truth. You'll find that he's true from the beginning, that he's the Lord of truth and that he's holy and true. So when Jesus declared, I am the truth, he was revealing that he was the embodiment and the fulfillment of all the attributes of Scripture. That's why he was also The Word made flesh. The beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. It's why I love how Elder Kennedy will will open up nearly every time, whether it's a men of war or a Sunday or whenever he's preaching, and he'll say something to the effect that in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. He'll he'll reference Colossians 2.9. I love that because it establishes right at the outset of his preaching his word that God is supreme. God is one. Amen. And Jesus is God. He also says, I'm the life. I'm the way, the truth, the life. You know, without Jesus Christ, there is no life. Now, I get that this life has some rough spots. Anybody ever been through some things? Monday night, the men prayed, and, and at the end of our prayer, we did a, what we called a circle of testimony. We just went around the room, and overwhelmingly, many of the men testified something to the effect that there's been some tough times and hard times and loss throughout this year, but, but there's been some gain as well. And living for God isn't always just a bed of roses. Sometimes there's hardships. Sometimes there's questions, amen, but but. I, would, I, would, I wouldn't trade this life for anything. My worst day living for God is better than a thousand good days without Him. Amen. Remember one time somebody told me, you need to get a life. 
I'm like, well, I actually have one. I have abundant life. I have new life. I have eternal life. I have everlasting life. Thank you very much. I have a life. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. Jesus is even the bread of life. Hallelujah. He's the word of life. And the Bible says he redeems our lives from destruction. Wow. The Bible says he's the strength of my life, the fountain of life. Ponce de Leon looked for the fountain of youth. If he'd have only searched the scripture, he'd have found the fountain of life. He's the spirit of life, the Bible says, the restorer of life. Does anybody need to be restored? Does anybody need something in your emotions restored? I mean, he's the restorer of life. The Bible calls him the life-giving spirit. Hallelujah. The Bible says he is the author of life. He's the breath of life. And in fact, he is the symbolic fulfillment of the tree of life that was in the Garden of Eden. Wow. What a God. Before Christ, I was dead in my sin. But with Christ... I am a new creature. The Bible says we are alive in him because he is the life. He's the way in a manger. Here's something that has intrigued me for a number of years since I first discovered it. The angelic proclamation to the shepherds was not coincidental. In fact, nothing God does is coincidental. When he created this earth, he created it in order. Had he created man first, man would not have survived because there was no sustainability. He had to create in the order he did in order for man to survive. You know we can't really be baptized or receive the Holy Spirit until we've repented. That's order. God is a God of order. And so the angelic proclamation to the shepherds was not just a flip of the coin saying, hmm, let's see, who do I tell first? Okay, brr, heads I tell the shepherds and, you know, you know, uh, uh, you know tails I tell, you know, whatever. No, it, it was, God didn't do that. It was, he specifically had a purpose for this. Now, I want to read to you three different passages of Scripture. If you want write in some notes, you can write these down. The first is going to be Genesis 35, 19 through 21. Genesis 35, 19 through 21. Then we're going to go to Micah 4, verse 8, and Micah 5, verse 2. So the, the last two are in Micah 4, verse 8, 5, verse 2. The first is in Genesis 35, 19 through 21. Let me read that one to you. And Rachel died and was buried in the way to Ephrath, which is Bethlehem. And Jacob set up a pillar upon her grave, that is, the pillar of Rachel's grave unto this day. And Israel journeyed and spread his tent beyond the tower of of Eder. Now remember that Eder, okay, that tower. That was Genesis 35, 19 through 21. Now Micah 4, verse 8. And thou, O tower of the flock. Remember the tower of Eder? It's the same thing here in Micah, the tower of the flock. O tower of the flock, the stronghold of the daughter of Zion, unto thee shall it come, even the first dominion, the kingdom shall come to the daughter of Jerusalem. This is a prophecy explaining that where the Messiah is going to be announced, where he's going to be born. Okay, it's going to be near this tower of Eder, this tower of the flock. Now listen to Micah 5 verse 2. But thou, Bethlehem Ephrata. Though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me that is to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from old, from everlasting. I'll never forget the year I was at the uh, camp meeting in uh, New Hampshire, Vermont. They're, they combined their two states for a single uh, district, and I was preaching the camp. Uh, youth camp part, and Brother Stan Gleason was the, the night speaker, the adult speaker, and he used this, this text, excuse me, Micah 5.2, and he preached a message titled, No Stage Too Small for Greatness. And I want to tell somebody here tonight, you may feel like you're insignificant. You might feel like Bethlehem Ephrata. You're little among the thousands of Judah, but let me tell you what God says about you. Out of you is coming something. 
Out of you is coming a ruler. Out of you, God's going to perform his great work. You know, God, I I don't mean to burst anybody's bubble, but God really don't need us. He wants us. He wants to use us. But that, that's why when people get the Holy Ghost, when I pray for them, it, all glory goes to God. You know, it, if something happens while I'm preaching or what, it, it's just as relevant as if somebody else is preaching because it's not about me. It's about him, right? Amen. And so understanding this, you might not feel very great, but God has a way of using things that don't feel very great, like a stone and a sling in the hand of a shepherd boy. Amen. Praise God. So his birth in a manger in Bethlehem near the Tower of Eder in swaddling clothes, none of this was haphazard. Sometimes we read the Christmas story. Sometimes we read Luke 2 and we're like, okay, I read Luke, check mark, boom, I'm done for the day. But not a single part of that, or any of the Bible, but tonight we're dealing with this part, not a single part of it was haphazard or coincidental. The Bible says, listen to this in Luke 2 verse 12, the angel is talking to the shepherds and listen to what he says, I'm going to read it just a little bit slower so you get it. He's talking to the shepherds, right? Imagine I'm the angel and you're the shepherds. And this shall be a sign to you so every one of them are going okay this is specific to us what's the sign you shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger now to you and I we're we're western we're you know Americanized we we don't get it unless we dig deep into the text Let me explain. The shepherds to whom the angel of the Lord appeared were not just another group of Bedouin shepherds. They were Levitical shepherds. There's a difference. These Levitical shepherds had a specific purpose. They were to raise lambs for the purpose of sacrificing according to the law. Their role as Levites was to raise these lambs to make sure they were without spot or wrinkle to present to the priests who would then sacrifice them for the sins of Israel. You see, when a lamb was born, they would wrap it in swaddling clothes and lay it in a manger in order to ensure that it would remain perfect and be raised without spot or blemish so that it could be used for sacrifice. Did you just get that? Let me say that again in case you didn't, because I know it's a Wednesday night and we've worked all day and we're tired. These Levitical shepherds, when a lamb was born that they noticed didn't have spot, didn't have wrinkle, didn't have blemish, they would immediately take it, wrap it in swaddling clothes, and lay it in a manger because they knew we've got to keep it pure so that it can be sacrificed. Can you imagine then what these shepherds thought when the angel said, here's the sign. This shall be a sign to you. You're going to find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying. You know what that means? That means that no room in the inn was planned by God. God tapped on the heart of of Caesar Augustus and said, hey, make sure you tax the people about right now. I make a proclamation to tax all the people. I want a census. Caesar thought he was doing it on his own. No, God touched his heart. Because God knew he needed that Bethlehem to be so overcrowded there was no place for them in the end. You see how specific God is? He had to have his... Uh, a birth in a manger as a sign to these. Otherwise, Luke 2 is moot. We don't need it. It means nothing. Now, the Bible doesn't record them, the, the shepherds, saying that he was the Lamb of God, but I have to wonder how many of them might have thought that he was. They weren't ignorant shepherds. 
They were Levitical shepherds. They knew the prophecies. They knew the law. They knew what God had prophesied to Israel. They had read Isaiah. They had read Moses. They had read Jeremiah and Zechariah and all of these prophets. They knew what was coming. And if Jesus had not been the fullness of God, then he would not have been the Lamb of God that could take away the sins of the world. At Bethlehem, he became God with us. At Calvary, he became God for us. And at Pentecost, he became God in us. Jesus came to pay a debt that he did not owe because I owed a debt I could not pay. I got a feeling when those shepherds saw him, we know they went and told a whole bunch of people. Why? I believe it's because they knew he's come. The Messiah has come. We know this, and I think we can safely assume this, because when others got to know who he was, kind of like the woman in Samaria goes and tells everybody, and they come out, and he stays for two days. Kind of like uh, Philip going and telling Nathaniel, kind of like Andrew going and telling Peter. I got a feeling they begin to, to broadcast it as loud and as clear and as far and as wide as they could. Hallelujah. But there's something else that I want to use tonight and read and, and share with you. This week, in fact, just two days ago, my son's father-in-law, I guess we, we joke, Brother Scott Graham and I, we call ourselves preachers-in-law. Because what, what do you call it when your kids get married? And you know, what, what are you two? So we just made it up. We're going to be preachers-in-law. So, you know, I guess it works. But nonetheless, you know, it's extended family. But he wrote a, a blog that was published on the um, Pentecostal Publishing um, website or whatever. I'm going to read it to you. It's called Let the Manger Speak. It's the most wonderful time of the year, or so the lyrics of one of the familiar songs of this season. Christmas time is filled with the iconic images and lasting symbols of the season, both sacred and secular. They fill store windows and household living rooms. A star, a snowflake, a shepherd, a candy cane, a wise man. But in pondering this season and just what it means to a child of God, I've come to consider a different symbol to be the most significant. The manger. I'm not talking about the manger overshadowed by its messianic inhabitant. I'm, I'm considering the manger itself. In doing so, I realize it doesn't have the glamour of the other icons of the season. But you see, that's the point. The manger, the simple, nondescript, practical manger, speaks to us in some profound ways. Here were but a couple. The manger says Christmas is for everyone. We don't know all that went on during that prophetically significant night, but I'm quite sure some of our preconceived ideas about it are flawed. Leisha, you did a great job, but I don't think it was falafels. Certainly our nativity scenes with the wise men and shepherds gathered together are inaccurate. It's unlikely that there were any camels or maybe even any donkeys present. But by the same token, I suspect there were others present we read nothing about. For we do know the shepherds left there and told everyone what they had seen. Some must have come to see. For a baby naturally draws a crowd. And while we don't know everything about those who came to view the child, we can be sure they were not alike. No doubt some were righteous and some were wicked. I'm sure some were wise and some were simple. Some were educated and some were not. 
On that night, the manger welcomed the wealthy and the common, the religious and the carnal, the curious and the convinced. But everyone could come. And this echoes the words of Scripture. Revelation 22, 17, And the Spirit and the bride say, Come. And let him that heareth say, Come. And let him that is a thirst come. And whosoever will, let him take of the water of life freely. What a blessing that each of, each of us found ourselves in whosoever. Look around the church and you'll see the testimony of the manger. Everyone can come. Educated and simple, rich or poor, every color, every kindred. The manger says Christmas is for everyone. The manger also says he, God, understands us. How often have you heard some politician talk about the financial pressure of the middle class and thought, yeah, you make about 500000 a year. What do you know about financial crunch? There's something rather disconcerting about the disconnect between where we are and where our leaders are. I feel your pain. It's hard to accept when they have not been where you are or been in pain. But the message of the manger is that our Lord understands us. For his entrance was anything but comfortable. How difficult it would be for us if our Lord had known only comfort, ease, and rose petals. But the message of the manger is that our Lord understands us. For his entrance was anything but comfortable. From the first night of his life, he was acquainted with the hardships of human existence. And that night was merely a harbinger of things to come. He lived the blue-collar life of labor, suffered sickness, was betrayed by a friend. Motives were questioned. And while I'm not glad he had to go through such things, I'm glad I know he can relate to me. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Hebrews 4, 15-16. If this holiday season finds you in a time of pain, the manger offers the reminder that he knew pain. When we're scared, the manger speaks to us that he was scared. When we're alone, the manger tells us that he too was alone. When we don't understand, the manger points forward to a day when he cried, Why hast thou forsaken me? I'm glad he came in a manger and not a bassinet. It allows me to know he understands. No, an unoccupied manger probably will never capture the same place of prominence in holiday decor as the star, but its message resonates in our lives. We come to him with a host of others and all arrive on equal footing there. And once we have known him. We rest in the comfort that he understands our dilemma. In a profound sense, we all rest in the manger. You know, as I read that and added it into my notes, I begin to realize just how real that message is. God didn't come in a way that none of us could understand Him. He came in a way that all of us could relate to Him. And so, as I mentioned the men of war, we gathered up the front here and we were praying. And Brother Jeremy, I think, started up Jeremy Miller and many others mentioned it too, that 
there'd been a sense of loss and grief and pain and hurt, but there'd also been a sense of gain in spite of it. I know some here tonight have felt the, the sting of loss and hurt. You've struggled. There's still uneasiness about the pandemic and viruses and all of this, the government and, you know, what to believe, what not to believe, and how close are we to the coming of the Lord, and all of this playing in, pundits on both sides, the church trying to strike the balance in the middle and say this is the word of God, this is the way. For many, this holiday season will be the first without a loved one. My heart grieves. Oh, I'm looking forward to family time. I'm looking forward to the fun. I'm looking forward to the games, the food. But my heart tonight, for a moment, wants to pause and say, let's come to the manger. Let's, let's realize that there's hope. There's healing. I remember when I came here 11 years ago, a place of hope place of healing. It resonated with me. I preached it many times. I was going through some old notes the other day, and apparently I asked some of you that were here uh, to write a little essay about what hope and healing meant to you, and I, I incorporated them into my message. I was reading through them, and I'm, I just began to cry, and just, oh my Lord, wow, look what God has done. I, I then thought back to a more recent time of just this year where we had a bunch of testimonies, and person after person after person celebrating what God had done, and, and even through the hurt, and even through the pain, and even through the struggle, God had delivered, God had given them victory, God had healed, God had saved. And we would cry with each one of you and, and celebrate with each one of you. And, and that's what I'm wanting us to remember tonight. That He was the way in a manger for everybody. Not just for those that got it all together. Not even for those that can put on a good front and, hey, everything's going great and inside they're torn apart. He came for the for everybody. So tonight, I wonder if we could take just a moment or two before we close out our service and pray. Pray one for another. Pray for ourselves. Pray for those that aren't here. Pray for those that we know might be hurting. And ask God to use us to show somebody the way to the way in a manger. Can we do that? If you're uncomfortable moving around, I get it. I understand. But if you are, go and pray with somebody. Be mindful of their space. But let's have a time of prayer. It's 7.51. We typically close at 8. Can we do more than just the 26 seconds? Thank you, Jesus, and close our Bibles. Can we genuinely think about others who might be hurting? Maybe you know where somebody sets or typically sets, and maybe you want to pray. We did that last night as the men. We, some of us were moving around, and we were praying for, I wonder if we could just take that time and do that. Brother Donnie, if you're back there, if you can turn maybe the prayer video back on, it has some music or something to it, that would give us at least probably five minutes or something, whatever. And let's just take a little bit of time. Is that all right? In Jesus' name. I want to show people the way to the way in a manger. Jesus, tonight, Lord, thank you for teaching us the lessons you've taught us. And even in the hurts, and even in the pain, and even in the hard times, you've taught us things. You've showed us things, Lord. You're good to us all the time. And you are good all the time. Lord, on our hard days, on our easier days. You're good. God, I pray right now for those who have struggled this year, who've been through emotional pain, some still are, those who face loss. God, we don't always have the answers and we don't just want to give platitudes, but we know you are the answer, Lord. Oh, God. 
pray for those watching online. I pray for those, God, who put on a good show and smiled, but inside there's hurt. Inside there's emotional tearing. And, oh, God. I pray for those who would love to have children to share this holiday with, but don't. I pray for those, God, who've lost loved ones. I pray, oh God, tonight that each of us would feel that compassion as you felt it. And that we would be able to show others the way to the way in a manger, Lord. Lord, reach across the miles, reach across the neighborhoods, reach across our city, our state, our world. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. Help us to weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice. Help us, oh God, to know that you came for everyone. Help us to know, Lord, that you understand where we are. That you truly do feel our pain. Oh God, help us to love others if you, as you have loved us, Lord. Help us to forgive those who've hurt us. Oh God. Oh, God, touch hearts and lives. Oh, God. Oh, God, I pray. Pray, Jesus, that we would walk in your word. God, when we don't know what to say or how to pray, you speak through us, Lord. You pray through us, God. Oh, God, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Oh, God. Oh, God, in Jesus' name, Jesus' name. Can we pray for the Lamb family? Yes, we pray for the Lamb family, God. Right now, touch them, Lord. God, give them comfort and peace. Oh, Lord. Oh, God, strengthen them at this time, God. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Oh, Lord. Oh God. Oh God, I pray for comfort and peace. I pray for strength. I pray, God, for your wisdom, Lord. Oh God. Oh God, wash over us tonight. Wash over us tonight, Jesus, with your mercy with your truth. Oh, God, I give you praise. I give you glory. I give you honor. In the name of Jesus. Oh, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Church, I want to thank all of you for your response tonight. I talked to some pastors and, man, I'm like, wow. I hear horror stories and Shannon, we've heard some of them. I'm like, we, we don't have that. <laughs> Such Alicia, I'm like, well, thank you, Jesus, you know. But like even tonight, I've, I've, I've watched you and listened to you and prayed with some of you, but you've also responded to this. You've felt that burden. I, I've been saying lately that I feel like God has given us a shift.
in the atmosphere in our church, a culture shift. And I think a, in part, a piece of that is the embodiment of our core values, which at the heart of that is to be a spirit-filled church where everyone can be transformed by the hope and healing promised through Jesus Christ. You know, I've heard it said all my life that you get what you preach. And we've preached hope and healing. And it's on the wall. And it's, it's in our, you know, uh, material. It's on our website. Is it any wonder then that people feel like they can come here and find hope and healing? But let me say this. I think a part of that shift is this. We take hope and healing with us when we go to our jobs, our schools, our neighborhoods. If, if you're in a home with an unsaved loved one, you take it to your home. Amen? Trevor, I think it was you that mentioned on Sunday about the song um, and how that we're that place, you know, right? Guess what? This building at 3715 North 104th Avenue, Omaha, Nebraska, 68134. Yes, it's a place of hope and healing when we come together. But guess what? Everybody point to yourself. You, we, I am a place of hope and healing. I, I believe that the testimony of a young girl getting the Holy Ghost in her home is going to be not the exception, but the rule. I believe homes are going to turn into places of hope and healing and neighborhoods. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Again, let's be mindful. I also want to thank uh, uh, many of you uh, gave in support and helped, and thank you so much. We were able to help and bless five families, and, and that is awesome. Um, there was a lot of uh, food and, and different things. Thank you so much for that. Um, for what you've done. I believe that, that, and I know many of you also blessed others on your own too. Thank you for doing that. I do pray you have a wonderful and Merry Christmas. I pray that it's uh, fun and all that you, you get all you want. <laughs> Amen. Look forward to seeing you Sunday. I do ask for your prayers. I'm going to just go ahead and announce that Sunday we will be here, but then Monday morning we're going to um, head out of town I'm going to go see my mom and stepdad for a day or two and then uh, go up to St. Louis and be with my son and daughter in love. And then Brooklyn will be joining us. She's got a dentist appointment. So pray for us for travel. And uh, so many of you, I won't see you until next year. I, that joke never gets old, you know. It really doesn't get old. But, <laughs> but uh, you know, let's keep each other in prayer as the holidays come and, and go and Amen. God bless all of you. Love you. Let's go be a place of hope and healing.